keys are important, aren't they? I, uh, I, in fact, recently I lost keys, or thought I lost keys. I misplaced keys, and I was in a panic. Anybody ever done that? Everybody's done that, right? And so we know keys are important. Well, we are starting a new series here in the month of August, Four Keys to Church Life. And uh, I, I will say that there are, they're not ex- exclusive keys to church life. I probably could have done a series, the 35 keys to church life, but nobody would be excited about that, right? You'd think, how long is this sermon series going to take? And so what we've done is for the month of August, we've picked four items that are important, that are central to who we are as a church family, that are important to who we are as Scott Lake Baptist Church. And we're going to focus on those one each Sunday. And so today is the gospel. We're going to focus on the gospel. The gospel is key to who we are and what we do as Scott Lake Baptist Church. And so we're going to talk about the gospel this morning and this evening. And then we'll look at another key next week and the following week and the week after that. We'll look at four keys to church life. Uh, It's a little different. I I will tell you that I prefer to preach verse by verse through a book of the Bible. It it keeps us in context. It keeps us putting all those things together. And so uh, I I am not as comfortable just picking a passage of Scripture sort of out of the context. And I think it's always important for us to know what the context is. And so I'm going to share a little bit about that. It may be more than you want to know, but I think it's good for us to know Uh, We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning as we look at uh, the gospel, Uh, but 1 Corinthians 15 is an interesting book. If you ever get discouraged, if you ever think, man, there are some problems happening at Scott Lake Baptist Church, I just can't believe that, read the book of 1 Corinthians. We do not have the problems that the church at Corinth had, okay? Um, The the church at Corinth had a lot of problems, and uh, in fact, uh, years ago, I preached the book of 1 Corinthians. And the title of that sermon series was Problems in the Church. It seems as if Paul is just addressing problem after problem after problem. And there are some doozies of problems in there in the book of 1 Corinthians. And so Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, addressing issues and addressing problems that they're having. There is a letter that has come from Corinth, uh, the church at Corinth, to Paul and asking questions. And so he's addressing problems and addressing issues that they have asked about. And so that's the broader context for 1 Corinthians. But in chapter 15, we see a smaller context. One of the issues that Paul is writing about is there is at least part of the church at Corinth that has rejected the resurrection. They have said there is no resurrection, there is no resurrection from the dead. The problem with that is one of the foundational things that we believe as Christians is that Jesus was resurrected, that he rose from the dead on the third day. And so Paul is writing to them, addressing this issue and saying, you cannot be a believer and say that there is no resurrection because resurrection is foundational to who we are as Christians. And in that context, he talks about the gospel in the first four verses. And so that's the context of where we'll be at this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. I've entitled this morning's message, Paul's Thoughts on the gospel. Here's the big question. What can we learn about the gospel from these verses where Paul defends the resurrection as an essential part of the gospel? What can we learn about the gospel this morning? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 1 and then reading down to verse 4. Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, And by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, 
that Christ died from our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come to your word, I thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, I thank you for the gospel, what good news it is. Lord, I pray that as we are here today that we would either affirm that we have trusted the gospel, that we have responded to the gospel by faith, or that we would do so very quickly. Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts and lives this morning, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give a little background to the term terminology, the gospel. The, the gospel is a term that we use a lot in church life. It's a term that we use a lot because it's very important to who we are. Uh, but I want to give a little background on that. First of all, the, the, the terminology, the gospel, simply means good news. It is good news, and that is, uh, that is what we share. It's what we have as believers. But it is not just any good news. In the context of the church, the gospel is specific good news. It is good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is good news about salvation. And so when we talk about the gospel, what we're talking about is the specific good news that God shares with the world through his son Jesus that there is salvation found in him. The good news is God saw our need. God sent his son. Jesus was sinless. He died for our sins. There is salvation found in him for all who believe. When we talk about the gospel, that is the specific good news that we are talking about. Uh, don't you love good news? You know what I don't like is when somebody says, I've got bad news and I've got good news. Which one do you want? For I want to go, no, I don't want the bad news. You just keep that to yourself. I'll take just the good news. Well, we're focused on good news this morning, but in, in actuality, the reason we need the good news is there is bad news. Here's the bad news. What Scripture tells us that we are all sinners. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In fact, we're going to look at that verse tonight as we continue to look at the gospel this evening. But Scripture just declares it. We are all sinners. Every one of us in this room, we are sinners. We have missed the mark. We have fallen short of the glory of God. And that's the bad news. But the gospel is in response to that. It is the good news. It is the good news that God knew we were sinners. And he loved us so much that he sent his son so that we might find the forgiveness of our sins and have eternal life through Jesus. That is the good news. That is the specific good news that we call the gospel. So what can we learn about the gospel from this passage? I think there are four things that I want us to see. Look with me, if you will, again at verse 1. The gospel is what we preach or what we proclaim. Uh, chapter 15, verse 1. Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preach to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. You see, the gospel is what we preach. We can do lots of things. Uh, when I say we who fill this pulpit, uh, there are several in this room have, who have preached from this pulpit. Me as your interim pastor, Darren as our previous pastor, whoever is our next pastor, what we preach is the gospel. Now, we ought to be gospel-influenced in every sermon that we share. It may not be completely focused on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ based on the context of the verses that we're preaching, but every verse in the Bible has as its larger context the work of the gospel. What we preach day by day, week by week, sermon by sermon, 
is how the gospel impacts our lives, how it takes root in our heart, how it calls us, calls us to repentance, how it leads us to spiritual growth, how it leads us to maturity in our faith. The context of everything that we preach and the foundation of everything that is preached is the good news, the specific good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We preach Jesus. We preach him over and over again because he is the lone hope for the world. For everyone who is lost in sin, what they need to hear is the good news of Jesus. And so the gospel is what we preach. I, I want you to notice what is also said there at the end of verse 1. I love these words. Paul says, now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. We stand on the gospel. It is who we are. It is who Scott Lake Baptist Church is. We stand on the gospel. It is the most important thing. It is what we preach. It is what we teach. It is what we share. It is what we tell others. It is the reason for our existence. The reason that we exist as a church family is because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there was no good news about Jesus, if there was not redemption found in him, if there was not forgiveness of our sins, there would be no need for us to come to gather together. There would be no need for us to come and sing. This would just be a, a hall for meeting. It would not be a church. But we are a church because we have taken our stand on the gospel Jesus is the way, not a way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other hope for mankind. It is Jesus. And so we preach the good news about Jesus. We teach the good news about Jesus. And we as a church family, by the way, I hope you know, we are Scott Lake Baptist Church. It is not this building we make up Scott Lake Baptist Church, and so we as Scott Lake Baptist Church, you and me, we share the gospel. We tell our neighbors, we tell our family members, we tell our friends. We are to be sharing the gospel because we have taken our stand on the gospel. We have placed it all on the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the only hope for mankind, but we have placed our faith, our hope, our lives on the gospel and it has made all the difference. It is what we stand on. It is what is central to our lives. It is who we are as a people. Jesus has made all the difference, and he will make all the difference. When I get to heaven, there's no entrance exam to heaven. There's nobody standing at the gate and saying, I mean, God knows who has done business with him. God already knows. We don't have to check a book. He's written it down. He knows, and he's not forgotten. I am his. But if I were asked, why should you be let in, it will not be about anything that Richard has done. It will be all about what Jesus has done. That's how central the gospel is to who we are as Christians. It is foundational. It is the reason that I will get into heaven, and it is the reason that you will get into heaven if you have placed your faith in Jesus. There is no other way. If you want to talk about keys that get you entrance, the gospel is what gets us into glory. What have you done with Jesus? It is what we preach. It is where we have taken our stand. Number two, though, I want you to look at verse two, if you will, with me. Verse two says, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. It is the gospel that works salvation. 
It is not Richard who works salvation. It is not Scott Lake Baptist Church who works salvation. It is God through his word, working through his word, and the Holy Spirit, and the message of the gospel that works salvation. How many of you have ever, uh, ever tried to share the gospel and you sort of stumbled through it? You had a plan going in, and you thought, if I can just remember, there are these four points I want to share, and maybe, maybe you forgot one of the points, or you, you didn't say it the way that you wanted to, and you got done, and you thought, boy, that was a mess. The gospel's power is not dependent on how well you share it. The message of the gospel, the power of the gospel is found in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is finished. And so he is able to work through the gospel. I'll never forget, I was a college student. I was working with youth. I had not preached a whole lot. Uh, it was probably in the first 10 sermons of my life that I had given. Uh, I, my home church, I was home from, from college, and they asked me if I'd preach. And I was really excited. I'd spent lots of time studying. I'd spent lots of time for the sermon. Uh, I preached the sermon, and as I was wrapping up and praying, I just thought in my head, Lord, that was a mess. Lord, I forgot an illustration. I didn't say the point the way I wanted to. God, that was a disaster of a sermon. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I just pray that you'd help me get better at this. And as I was praying and leading into the invitation, a young girl walked the aisle, and she said, that message was exactly what I needed. I need to give my life to Christ. And she repented of her sins and placed her faith in Jesus. And God reminded me it's not about my ability to share the gospel. The power is the gospel. He, he knows what a person needs to hear in their heart. He is able to speak to their heart in a far better way than I can. He knows what happened in your life this week. He knows what you wrestled with this morning. And so we just share the gospel the best that we can. And God is able to work through his word and the Holy Spirit and speak to hearts and lives. And so it is the gospel that works salvation. It is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is what the, what the message of the gospel is that matters. It is that we are sinners, but God loved us enough that he sent his son to die in our place so that he would take the punishment for my sin and your sin for all who would believe. And so the gospel, it is the gospel that works salvation. Thirdly, though, it is the most important thing. Uh, I, I've, uh, I like to read leadership books. Uh, I appreciate leadership books. Uh, I, uh, I've read quite a few. I own quite a few. Um, one of the, the things that I have learned from some of those leadership books is uh, how, to, how to try to get some things done. Uh, and sometimes when you go in and start your day, you've got 47 things uh, on your to-do list. And the problem is, where do I start? And one of the things that, that, that some of those leadership books will talk about and help you with is how to prioritize things. What is, here's the question that they most of the time point to, what is most important? What must be done now? Well, Paul, when talking about the gospel, talks about it of being of the most importance. Look with me, if you will, at verse 3, the very first part of 3. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received. Here is the truth. The gospel is most important. It is the most important thing about who we are as a people. It is the gospel that has changed our lives. It is the gospel that has brought us into right relationship with God. It is the gospel that has made us brothers and sisters in Christ. It is the gospel that secures our entrance into eternity, into heaven in eternity. It is the gospel that makes us new creations in Christ Jesus. What is most important about us as a church? It is the gospel that we have believed and the gospel that we preach and share. The gospel is of most importance. It's interesting here, this verse 3, 
when you know the background of what's going on. Paul is writing to a church and he says, I passed on to you as most important what I also received. Paul's sharing his testimony. He's talking a little bit about how Saul became Paul. If you know this, in the book of Acts, Acts gives us the details about how a man named Saul, who was persecuting the church, persecuting Christians, uh, was actually on his way to try to round up some of believers who were going out into the world to bring them back, to put them in jail. And as he was on the road on his way to round up believers, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up in all of his glory, and and Saul is actually blinded for a number of days. But Jesus confronts Saul about his persecution of Jesus, and Jesus tells him, I am the Savior. You need to believe in me. And Saul places his faith in Jesus. He is converted, and he also is renamed Paul. He became perhaps the greatest missionary church planter the world has ever seen, And here as he's writing to the church at Corinth, he goes, I'm passing on to you what Jesus shared with me and is the most important thing. It is the gospel. You must believe the gospel. By the way, it's the most important thing today. Of all the things that we could do today, of all the plans you may have, I've already talked to us, several of us, several of us have plans for a nap today. That seems pretty important to me, right? Some of you are already thinking about lunch plans, aren't you? Where are we going to eat? What's on the stove at home? What do we have for leftovers? What can we get? Thinking about plans. I'll tell you what is most important today. What have you done with the gospel? That is the question for all of life. It is the most foundational thing in our lives. It is the question that matters most. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I told you earlier that the problem is we're all sinners, so we are all sinners. But what the good news of the gospel says is that God so loved us, all of us, the world, that he sent his son Jesus so that whosoever would believe in him might not perish but have everlasting life. That is just the gospel in a verse. There are lots of ways to find the gospel in a verse. There are lots of verses where we see the gospel in a verse or in a passage. But the gospel contains this. We are sinners and we need a Savior and Jesus is that Savior. And so what have you done with Jesus? We're going to look in a few minutes about the contents of the gospel and then I'm going to take us to a passage that is dear to my heart. We'll ask us a question about what do we do with the gospel Here's the question of most importance today. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with the gospel? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? We've already settled that we're all sinners in this room. There are two categories of sinners, though. There are sinners who are lost in their sins and do not know Jesus as Lord. Then there are sinners that are saved by grace. Those are the two categories. You're in one of those groups this morning. What makes the difference is the gospel makes the difference is the gospel. So we've seen that the gospel is what we preach and proclaim. We've seen that it is the gospel that works salvation. We've also seen it is most important. But fourthly, I want us to see the gospel contents. In the second half of verse 3 and verse 4, Paul shares the gospel. He says, For I passed on to you as most important what I also received. And what was it that he received? This, that Christ died for our sins 
according to the scripture. By the way, he uses that according to the scripture several times here. For our sins according to the scripture. He goes on in verse 4 to say that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day again according to the scriptures. We don't get to make up the gospel. The word of God tells us what the gospel is. And Paul says, as it has been passed on to me, as I have heard it, I have shared it with you. And I have shared it with you as being the most important thing. And here is what the gospel consists of in this passage as Paul shares it. Now, I say in this passage not because the gospel change is based on passages, but sometimes we can add other elements of the story of the gospel. Let me give you an example for this. Uh, if we had a long time, I might talk to you about uh, the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ because that is important to the story of the gospel. Jesus is not like you and I. He was not a sinner, not ever. He was not born into sin. He is the eternal Son of God. He was there at the moment of creation. He was in heaven from the time uh, before time. Uh, he was always in heaven all the way up to the moment that he stepped out of heaven to put on human flesh. So that is certainly part of the gospel, and we could put that in there, but it's not part of the gospel as Paul shares it in this moment. But the details never change. We may just share different parts of the story but here's what Paul shares in this particular sharing of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. and He raised on the third day. That is a very simple outline of the gospel. If you ever want to share the gospel very easily, if you ever want to share your testimony very easily, and as you're sharing your testimony, talk about the gospel, that's a three-point outline that is very easy to share Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised up, or he uh, experienced the resurrection on the third day. That is the content of the gospel. Jesus died for our sin. Why is it that Jesus died? Jesus came. The very reason that Jesus came to this earth and put on flesh was because we all had a sin problem. Jesus died. He came, and he lived, and he died. He laid his life down for our sin. That is the, the very foundation of the gospel. There was a sin problem, and the only answer to the sin problem was a sacrifice, and Jesus was the sacrifice. He lived and he died for my sin and your sin. He came and lived the perfect life, laid down his sinless life for Richard's sin. And you can put your name in that blank for your sin if you will believe Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. This speaks to the fact that he actually died. It wasn't just a beating. It wasn't just hanging on a cross, but he laid his life down. He died. He was buried. That is a second part that Paul shares here. It's important. There have been those throughout the year that have said, uh, through the years that have said, no, he didn't really die. He just sort of passed out. He, no, Jesus died. He was buried. He was dead died for your sin and for my sin, but then he was raised. You see, he suffered and he died, but on that third day, on that first Easter morning, he got up, he took those grave clothes off and he folded them and set them nicely and neatly. The angels rolled back the tomb and he didn't even need them to roll back the tomb, he just left. But they rolled back the tomb so that those who would come to prepare his body could see inside. You see, Jesus lived, 
And he died for our sins, and he was buried, and he was raised on the third day. That is the content of the gospel. God's word is built on that central fact. It goes and it explains it in lots of details. It tells us that it is through faith that we respond to this. I was thinking about how most Sunday mornings I will finish the sermon and I will come down front and I will pray a prayer and then I will say, if the Lord's laid a decision on your heart, if you want to respond in faith to Jesus, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd love to pray with you and talk with you about that. Some, some version of those thoughts is typically what I say. And maybe you've sat there and thought, well, I wonder if I walk down, what he would share, what he would open God's word and share with me, what would he share? I'm glad you asked that question this morning. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Romans. Uh, I want to go to Romans. We're going to look at Romans tonight, but I, I want to go to Romans chapter 10. I shared with you that John 14, 6, that's a, I think that's the gospel in a verse. I love John 14, 6, maybe my favorite verse in all the Bible. Romans 5, 1 and 2, again, about the gospel, about God's work, about how we have peace with God through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love Romans, 1 and 2, Romans 5, 1 and 2. But Romans 10, 9 and 10 may be my fourth and fifth favorite verse in all the Bible. Romans 10, 9 and 10 say this, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confess, confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. What is it that the gospel is calling us to do? It is calling us to confess and believe. Now, I do believe it is calling us to confess Jesus as Lord, but it is also calling us to confess ourselves as sinners. But it is to confess both that we are sinners, and that Jesus is the Savior. We must believe that. That is foundational to who we are. We are sinners, and Jesus is the only Savior. And so we confess him as Lord. We confess him to be who he is, that he is Lord. But then we go on to, to, to see... Uh, See verse 10 there. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confess with the mouth, resulting in salvation. We must believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. We must confess Jesus as Lord and believe that God has raised him from the dead. If you were to walk the aisle this morning and you were to say, I'm not sure I know Jesus as Lord, I would take you to Romans 10, 9, and I would say, do you know that you're a sinner? Are you aware? And if you said, no, I'm, I'm unaware of that, I would then have some follow-up questions. Have you ever lied? Have you ever done anything wrong? Have you ever uh, broken anybody's trust? Have you ever stolen anything? Have you ever hidden anything? you ever thought something you shouldn't think? We wouldn't get very far, and I think I could convince you, right? Maybe we're all sinners, okay? Then I would follow up and say, what have you done with Jesus? Have you confessed Jesus as Lord? Do you recognize that he is the only way? Do you recognize that you are a sinner? Would you just confess that to God today and say, I am a sinner, and I believe that Jesus is the one and only way, the Savior of the world. God, I believe all that you said about him. I place my faith and trust in him. I don't know where you're at today. Those who are in the sanctuary, I look around, and I don't, I don't know where you're at. Those that are in the Life Center this morning, I'll, I don't know where you're at today. But God does. God knows exactly where every one of us are. He knows whether we've responded by faith to the gospel or not. 
He knows what we've been through this week and what lies ahead of us this coming week. And yet here is the most important question we can wrestle with today. What have you done with the gospel? Do you know Jesus as your Lord? If I could plead with you, don't rush past that question. It is of most importance. If you don't know where you stand on this issue, just a moment, we'll be in the invitation time. Here in this room, I'd love to talk with you. There in the Life Center, I know that Pastor Adam would love to talk with you about how to give your heart and life to Christ. What have you done with the gospel today? Would you pray with me? Father, as we come to this decision time, Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts and lives all over this campus. You know where we stand. You know who we are. You see it all. Lord, you know whether we have responded to the gospel by faith or not. And so, Lord, for those that are believers and have responded by faith, I pray that this invitation time will be both a time of rejoicing and thankfulness for what we have experienced, but also a time of praying for those around us that might need yet to experience salvation. Lord, we give this invitation time to you, and we ask that you would work as you see fit. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Where do you stand today? What have you done with the gospel? It is the most important question I could ask you. If you have questions about it, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to open God's word during this invitation time, talk to you about how you can give your heart and life to Jesus. Let's stand. We're going to sing a song of response. You be obedient to him today.
and I hope that each heart in life is right uh, this morning. Uh, I'm glad that you were here and I'm glad that we were together this morning. Uh, I'm going to ask Brother Chuck to come and pray in just a moment, but as he comes, uh, this is the first Sunday of the month. Normally on the first Sunday of the month, we hear an update from our pastor search committee. Uh, last month, we heard two updates, and so that's why we're not having a, a formal update this month. Uh, nothing has changed from a couple of weeks ago when we heard from them. They continue to work, and they continue to request you pray for their work. And so we look forward to hearing from them at the start of next month, Lord willing. So uh, continue to pray for your pastor search committee. Brother Chuck, would you close us out in prayer and pray for our offering, please, sir? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you praising you for all that you've done for us, for the gospel that you gave us. Father, and all you ask us to do is to share. Let the Holy Spirit take over where it may. Just bring the words. And Father, we give you praise. Praise you for all the beauty and creation of your earth. And Father, we just ask that you continue to be with us, guide us and direct us. Be with our search committee, Lord, as they seek the man to lead Scott Lake, the shepherd that you would have here for us. And Father, we ask that you take our tithes and our offerings, praise them, multiply them, use them to glorify you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. 